0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a Reggie Wilson Wednesday. We're talking ownership for the Vikings. Are they willing to rebuild to help the franchise long-term? That and more on the Minnesota Football Party's Mailbag Show. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome into the Minnesota football party. I'm Sam Ekstrom on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson joins us as well as he does most Wednesdays and Luke Inman at Luke underscore spinman plenty to get to on today's show Vikings wide receiver two talk Vikings ownership. Are they getting in the way of the Vikings progress and can the Vikings keep some of their legends on this team for next season? Plenty of ways to find this show, however, including the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku, on YouTube, Locked On Sports Minnesota. Subscribe, get all the videos for free, and we're also free and available wherever you get your podcasts on your ideal app. Reggie, good to see you, my friend. Uh, we got plenty to get into today. Uh, how are things in your life?
1: Oh, you know, things have not slowed down, you know, even yeah. though the... The Vikings season, you know, just terribly ended. Still a lot going on. So, but good to be partying with you guys today.
0: Yeah, welcome to the party. Uh, Luke Inman here as well. He joins us all four days a week on the Minnesota Football Party. Let's jump right in, fellas. We got a question from Yuri. Yuri wants to know about the Vikings wide receiver too. I should probably ask it verbatim because it is a multi-part question. Uh, Yuri. as I stall here, tap dance, trying to get the, uh, the question up here. <laughs> hey, guys, despite all the needs everywhere on the roster, I still want a wide receiver two opposite of JJ. Luke, any chance a JSN or Hyatt falls to Minnesota? I'll need to find out what JSN means, Luke. Um, any sleepers on day two or three? Sam, am I wrong? Do the Vikings even need a wide receiver two? So why don't we start with that part? Do the Vikings need a wide receiver too? I think they need a wide receiver. I think they need depth at wide receiver. I think KJ Osborne is extremely serviceable as your number two. I also think TJ Hawkinson is a pseudo wide receiver too. Um, I'm of the opinion that you bring in young wide receiver talent to add to the room because injuries will happen. You're going to need a wide receiver three to perhaps be your wide receiver two at some point. Um, and heck wide receiver three and four is a need for this team as well. Cause I don't think they have great depth. I don't think they need to find the guy to be a wide receiver two this off season, but I think they need to find a guy to add to the mix. Reggie, your thoughts.
1: Yeah. I, I think you look at some of the teams who are left. And I think it goes to teams like the Eagles. Their wide receiver one is A.J. Brown. Or is it their wide receiver one could also be counted as Devontae Smith? So to have the luxury of having a wide receiver two be a guy like Devontae Smith is incredible. You look at the Bengals, Jamar Chase, he's wide receiver one, right? But the year they drafted Joe Burrow, they drafted T. Higgins to be a guy that they could pair with him. T. Higgins could be a wide receiver one on a lot of other teams in the league. But they have the luxury of having him at wide receiver two and Tyler Boyd at wide receiver three. And Boyd could be a wide receiver two as well. And you look at the success that they've had. Man, they chopped the bills up on Sunday, like completely chopped them up. The 49ers have weapons all over the field. You look at the Chiefs. You were talking about Hawk being kind of like a pseudo wide receiver, too. I think if you're looking at the Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, he might be wide receiver one there. <laughs> when you look at it, wide receiver one, wide receiver two
0: Yeah.
1: When in that office, especially with the absence of Tyreek Hill now. And they just have some guys that are doing some things. But kind of like how we've talked about before. Uh, on a just litany of shows that we've done, Kirk Cousins is not the same type of guy like a Patrick Mahomes. You know, like, I would say he's kind of, like, in that tier below guys like Mahomes, guys like Burrow who can just elevate. You know, we saw uh, a a Bengals team that had, like, Trent Irwin, and, you know, their top two receivers were out, and Burrow was just, like, chopping them up with the guys that he had. So we don't necessarily – see in cousins a guy who can just make things happen regardless of who's out there he needs his weapons to succeed he has jj number one number two you know it it has been Thieland. he has a 19 million dollar cap number for this season his wife seems to believe that he may not be back so they do need a, a, a wide receiver too in this offense to excel you look at the rams It was Cooper Cup, and then who else? But When they had OBJ in that offense as, you know, like the wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver one, one B, if Cup is one A, that offense was humming. We saw when OBJ went out in the Super Bowl how they had some problems. This is a similar type of offense with Kevin O'Connell. As you said, uh, Sam, they need some depth, and I think they need to find a legitimate wide receiver too. How they do that with the cap restraints that they have, I don't know. Maybe it's through the draft. Somebody like Luke could, you know, fill us in with some guys that he likes. I know that's his bread and butter, the draft, but they need to find someone who can pair opposite of JJ, who like, if they're like, okay, you're gonna double Justin Jefferson, okay, we're gonna hit you with this guy and kind of make it difficult. Now you got to deal with Hawk as well. Now you got to deal with Osborne as well. Like They need someone else who can be a legitimate threat out there and not put all the pressure and all the onus on guys like Hawk and Justin Jefferson.
0: Yeah. Luke, my draft prep has just begun, so I don't know everyone yet. Who is JSN?
2: JSN, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, Ohio State. Now think about this. Ohio State just had Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave come out. Not only did they come out, they were first-round picks, but they went off their rookie season. I mean, one of them, if not both of them, should be a candidate, at least top three in the rookie of the year votings. So that's insane. They also have Marvin Harrison Jr. He's not going to come out this year. He'll come out next year. He'll probably be a first round pick at minimum, if not top 15, top 20. And this year, you got Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. It's so early in the process, Sam. We haven't gotten to the combine. We don't know the measurables. There's a huge difference, as silly as it sounds. If a guy runs a 4-3, a 4-4, or a 4-5, that could mean the difference between a middle of the first round pick and a late first round pick. But right now, as early as it is, Mel Kuyper, for example, just came out with his new mock draft. He's got him going to the Jets at pick 13. I've seen a lot of mock drafts that don't have him going past the Packers at 15 or 16. It's possible, you know, he could slip into the early 20s. It would really be pushing it if he lasts all the way to 23. But again, there's so many different variables. There's a lot of different layers to this. Not just the combine, but you got the pro day, the interviews, senior bowl week kicks off this week so he would be an option for sure if he was there doesn't seem likely at this point Jordan Addison from USC another guy right in that range middle of the first round maybe he falls to 23 he won the Balitnikov award for best receiver in the country a little bit smaller but same kind of profile and I think just to echo Reggie's point It doesn't really matter if he's, you know, that big bodied go up and get it alpha number one guy or if he's a short, quick, shifty guy like a Stephon Diggs or Devontae Smith. But You need two guys now, two premium guys in the NFL. And just the way there's so many ebbs and flows every two, three, four years, things kind of seem to change a little bit. The way they've changed the rules, it's a passing league now. And Reggie made a great point. Look at the final four teams. The majority of them have multiple passing options out there for their quarterback. So, yeah, do the Vikings need a wide receiver, especially in round one? No, probably not. BC Johnson, maybe he comes back from injury. We've always liked him as a number three or four kind of guy. Jalen Naylor showed some promise. And then who knows what happens with Jalen Rager. So there is guys back there. You know, again, in this passing league, it sure would be tempting if a guy like, again, Jackson Smith and Jigba was there. I think somebody a little bit more realistic, Zay Flowers, Boston College, more of the quick, fast, shifty kind of guy. But I think you just keep adding pieces to Kevin O'Connell's offense. Even Sam, you mentioned it last week when we talked about rebuilding the defense you said you know what I think I'd just rather double down on offense and go all in this would be a great option drafting one of those receivers in the first round
0: feels like JSN will fall to 23 he'll be there for the taking and the Vikings will trade down it's Kyle Hamilton all over again don't do that to me um We got uh, ownership conversation coming up, but first I got to tell you all about FanDuel, our wonderful new partners here at Locked On. They're the, the official betting partner of Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, this is what you do. You download FanDuel on your app, perhaps, which is safe and secure. Go to the website, make a $5 bet when you get started and then get $150 in free bets guaranteed. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all your favorite bets, money lines, point spreads, player props, same game parlays for a chance at an even bigger payout. Make sure you have that FanDuel app so as football fans don't miss out for championship weekend. $5 bet, get $150 in free bets, win or lose. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. Here's the question from Nick Miller. Are the Wolves willing to accept one season spent rebuilding to help the franchise long-term? Let's go in reverse. Luke, why don't you take this one first?
2: I think if you told them, Hey, I can show you the future. I promise you in two years, if we just go through the process of rebuilding, we got to tear some things down, but it will turn out better in the long run. I'm sure they would say, okay, let's do it. But you know, let's just look at the timeline here. I mean, if you take a step back, you go all the way back to the far year, right? They went all in. They had their Super Bowl run. And it's almost like since they got a taste of that, and then they tried their best to rebuild once that window closed. They tried their best to do it like by the book, right? They draft a quarterback in the first round and Ponder. They use a top five pick on what was supposed to be a franchise left tackle to protect him And Matt Khalil, they used a second round pick on Kyle Rudolph. They get him a weapon and it just didn't work out. And I don't know if that put a bad taste in their mouth, but... You know, the next real goal round, okay, we'll try it again. Teddy Bridgewater, we obviously know the bad luck that happened there. And so if they didn't have a bad taste in their mouth about drafting quarterbacks early and investing three, four years into them after Ponder, I think they certainly did after Teddy, which obviously was nobody's fault. It was just terrible luck. And ever since then, though, they trade a first rounder for Bradford, a veteran. After the magical Keenum season, they went straight into, okay, no more drafting quarterbacks early. It's too much of a crapshoot. Let's give Kirk Cousins the most guaranteed money ever in the history of the NFL. And ever since then, these last four or five years, it's always been, all right, we want to be competitive, I think. And that's the Wilfs want at the end of the day. I don't think they ever want to tear the whole thing down and rebuild like Chicago's doing with Ryan Poles. They want to keep fans in the seats. They want to show them promise and hope every season. And obviously, a veteran quarterback like Kirk Cousin offers that. So if you just look at the trends in the history over the last decade, they've tried both scenarios now, and I think they would rather at least stay competitive to a degree than tear the whole thing down. I think the last thing they ever want to do is tear the whole thing down. Reg?
1: I think – um this season didn't play out how maybe they expected it to. And I don't know that rebuilding for one year is possible. Like, how does that happen? You know, how do you just clear out for a year? And then the year after that, you're like, all right, we're back in it again. It's going to be great. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think there's a world where that's like a thing. Like, the Bears rebuild this year, but I still think they're going to have some difficulties next year. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, they got this cap space, they got the draft capital, all that." You know, it's time for them to, uh, you know, go ahead and move forward to the future. They're going to be playoff contenders. No, I, number I don't one think overall pick. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that turnaround is going to be that quick. Like I still think that they're probably another year or two away from really competing like they want to. I don't think the Vikings really have the time for that. You kind of look at some of the guys that they have, like, if you're going to rebuild for a year, that means you waste another year of Justin Jefferson's prime. And I just don't think you do that. And, Sam, you and I were at the presser last week when KOC was talking about, hey, everything now moving forward is championship expectations, championship expectations. Like, is this going to get us to a championship? And now that he's kind of established that, I don't think that they really have the room to rebuild. And then you look at what Quasey said when he first took over last year, talking about the competitive rebuild. And I think that's what he tried to do. You know, he drafted guys like Brian Asamoah, Andrew Boot Jr., Louis Seen, guys that could come in and like supplement and maybe take over for some of the quote-unquote old guard that was – in the building already and kind of replenish and rebuild while still competing and and trying to win. And I think that's kind of the model, especially with them having Kirk cousins and the money that is tied up into him and the cap ramifications. If they do try to move on from him, like they're kind of in a position where they can't really rebuild, but then this cap situation is in a, you know, it's it's in such a, a space where it's like, I don't know that they have a whole lot of options. Like if they're going to be terrible this year is because of the cap restraints. If they're going to be bad this year is because like, hey, we had to get rid of a lot of people. We're just trying to hold this thing together with, you know, bubble gum, paper clips and duct tape Mm -hmm. and still trying to compete. But I just don't I don't I don't think that they can intentionally rebuild without making it a multiple year process to get back to where they want to be.
0: So I want to make a key distinction. Getting rid of old declining and expensive players is not necessarily rebuilding. That's being a smart franchise. Rebuilding is when you are shipping off players that are in their prime or approaching their prime for assets. That would mean Christian Derrissaw was on the block. Justin Jefferson was on the block and that's not the case here. I feel like every player that's under scrutiny um, for being cut or being traded is there for a reason. Um, And I think that good franchises look at liabilities like that and they say, all right, let's get out earlier than later. We don't want to hang on too long. And the Vikings are on the verge of hanging on too long with a lot of guys. I've said this all along. They're looking at six to eight players right now. They're going to pick and choose and say, who has the best chance to have more extended success in their career? Who is more than likely on the back end of it? And we're going to try to roll with a handful of these players going forward, and we're going to lose a handful of these players. Um, Are the Wilfs getting in the way, I think, is maybe the implication of the question by not allowing it? I think that it's worth wondering whether there is a mandate from ownership to stay competitive, because let's be honest, there's probably a price tag attached to sustained success, whether that's people buying your merch, selling out every single game, getting home playoff games is a huge money maker. because a lot of times you kind of budget and you assume for like the normal allotment of home games, and then you get that bonus game. That's, that's a big deal when it comes to dollars and cents and the Wolves have a lot of money invested in various projects. I, I think they would like some some of that liquid cash coming back their way, so I think there's a business aspect to this. Um, not to say the Vikings fans would like jump ship if they had... I mean, we already saw the Vikings have a couple substandard years. Did fans mail it in? No, they show up every single game. They sell the place out. Um, so I don't think that's... I mean, it's maybe not as huge a risk as they're estimating it would be. Something tells me when they've interviewed GMs and coaches, I think that there is a definite nudging to say, hey, work with what we have. We don't want to restart. And I wonder, too, if that's what kind of drove Ryan Poles to sign with Chicago. Because you remember mm-hmm. that there was a big interview here. It seemed like he was in the bag. And then he was with the Bears. And it was very abrupt. And people were upset. And I wonder if that was part of it. Because clearly, Ryan Poles has an instinct to rebuild and reset things like that. Um, We've got another meaty question, but before we get there, I'm going to tell you about not quite meaty, but filling and delicious built bar at built.com. If you're going into January, trying to revolutionize your nutrition and your fitness, maybe this is a great compliment to that because you're not compromising taste. It'll fill you up. It's good for you. hundred percent real chocolate, Excellent flavors like peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, churro, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar. So there's a health component to this 17 grams of protein. It's great for grab and go if you're going to miss lunch. So you don't want to wait around to get a box. You can go to built.com. You can order it. It'll come to your door. Use the promo code lockdown 15, or you can run. Don't walk run right now to Walmart or Sam's club. Get the four bar box, get the 13 bar box pick out your favorite flavors and load up on built bars. You can thank me later. Next question, fellas from Mike, a Vikings market value for guys like Thielen, Harrison and cook feels a little lighter than their current contracts. Any chance we have at keeping these Vikings legends in purple? Um, so it sounds like he, he's implying that they're not worth as much as they're getting paid and maybe wouldn't get paid that much on the open market. And I, I think that renegotiation, probably on the table for a couple of these guys, but not all. Like I, I don't know if uh, if Dalvin Cook wants to renegotiate. I think he's still on the on the right side of 30. I think he feels like he has a lot left in the tank. I think his representation obviously thinks very highly of him. Um, with Zach Killer, his agent. Thielen and Harrison, though, I think renegotiation is on the table with kind of the leverage they have with their contracts and the Vikings having to meet them there. Uh, your thoughts, Reggie, on those three names, Phelan, Harrison, and Cook.
1: That's tough, man. That's tough. I, I think there's so many people I saw on Twitter that were like okay with letting Cook walk. I don't understand that. I don't think I understand that. I do understand that he has a high cap number. I was just kind of looking at some of these these cap numbers here and it's a little it's a little tough so Dalvin is due to have a 14 million dollar cap hit. They could save 11 million if they cut him post June 1. And it's like okay, that that could help them, you know, with with how strapped they are with the cap, but I just don't know that you let Cook go. I was just reporting on it yesterday on Care 11, Mm -hmm. talking about how he's made the Pro Bowl for the fourth straight time. Injury replacement. This is the first year he's played all games of the season in his career. The first time. Can you guys believe that? Dalvin didn't miss a game this year. And his production... Was there, eleven hundred yards, ten total touchdowns. I mean, that's still a guy to me that looks to be at the the top of his game, and so I just I don't know that you can really mess with him unless you decide to convert his deal into like a signing bonus and all that. I I don't, you know, act like I'm just this big. Cap guru that I understand how these things work, but I, I know there's maybe a situation where they can help that out for this year at least. Um, with Adam Thielen and Harrison Smith, these are really tough decisions because Harrison Smith had a really good year this year, and we always hear about Belichick where he just kind of like cuts bait, you know, why while, while guys are still at their at the top of their you know prime right before they're about to, you know, come down a bit. And and we've seen him do that with so many players, but I just, I guess you would have to ask yourself how many more like elite years do you think Harrison Smith has in him? How many more top notch years do you think Adam Thielen has in him? What his wife posted Seems to believe that he feels like he could have had more opportunities, and he f- still feels like he's a guy who can produce at the level that we've been used to him producing. But you you also look at these cap numbers. I was looking at them too. Harrison Smith has a 19. Well, both Harry and Thielen have a 19 million. Thielen almost a 20 million dollar cap number next season. They can save 13 mil, almost 13 and a half mil if they cut him post-June 1. If they cut Harry, they can save 15 mil. Those two things have to be weighed. And like you said, Sam, I I guess you can ask, hey, what do you think about a restructure here? But if you restructure, how much are you actually going to save with how you want or need to improve this team Mm -hmm. and the production that you're getting from those two guys?
2: Yeah. We're going to get into this you know, for the next few months, I know, for sure. But mm-hmm. the more and more I go over these just different scenarios, all right, you, you keep these two guys, you cut this guy. You restructure this one. You try to trade this one. You cut. It just seems like you got to be really careful if you're Kwesi and KOC and the Wilfs that you don't take one step forward and start taking two steps back because all of a sudden you go into next year and you don't have Harrison Smith a leader of your defense for the last decade. You don't have Adam Thielen. Sure, you could argue maybe he's dropped off a little bit, but we already said we needed another receiver. Now you're getting rid of one of your top two. You don't have Dalvin Cook, one of the top five running backs in the league. And we can do this all day. You don't have Eric Kendricks or Daniil Hunter. If you're trying to go from competitive rebuild, all right, we overachieved, we made the playoffs, now it's championship or bust. And you're sitting there and saying that, but your actions aren't backing it up by cutting and letting go. Granted, they're aging, and yeah, they cost a lot of money, and that's why there's a salary cap. This isn't baseball. You can't keep everybody. So there is an art and game to it. But I just think it's gonna be a delicate dance if you start cutting too many of these guys. Like, more than even one or two would be my limit at most. And I'm not sure even then I cut two of these veterans, I feel super comfortable or confident pending what they do. What's the ripple effect? All right, show me what you're gonna do with that extra money now. Who are you gonna go add? Reggie brought up a great point. You can save more money if you cut Dalvin Cook post June 1st, but if you think you're gonna get rid of Dalvin anyways, And maybe you don't save quite as much, but you still save about eight. Maybe you want to try to trade him and get a third or fourth round pick and at least get something back from him. I'm not sure. So it's just a super delicate dance. You know, Luke Braun came on the show. He convinced us, Sam, that the cap is a myth. There's ways to manipulate this cap. The Philadelphia Eagles, two years ago, I watched them. One week, article comes out. All right, we just restructured Lane Johnson's $20 million contract. We converted it into a signing bonus. Boom. We give him the $20 million guaranteed. He loves it. That's a win for him. And his base contract on the cap just went from 20 to 1 million. So there's ways to do it. Can't do it with everybody. I imagine they will do something like that with Brian O'Neill, if not this season, but next season, Harry and Adam Thielen though, for me, I think you got to find a way to keep as long as you can find a way to try to restructure those deals.
0: Yeah. The restructure is a must for those guys. Those are just mm-hmm. untenable numbers. Um, they, they kind of left
2: $55 million dollars for those three guys, Thielen, Harry and Dalvin, 20 million, 20 million and call it 15 million. That's a lot of money.
0: They left some breadcrumbs last off season by not converting Dalvin cook. They could have done the signing bonus conversion. They could have saved. They didn't because they didn't want to be liable for that money this year. Dalvin cook represents the biggest savings. Um, Dalvin cook and Reggie, this is where I'll, I'll just push on you a little bit. I'm not sure he was productive. Like I I think that he was available, which is a big change for him, and that's good. Not sure he was 100%, but here's a a good Dalvin Cook stat that I came across today. Dalvin Cook, when Justin Jefferson was a rookie, was facing eight-man boxes 31% of the time. Justin Jefferson gets here, and you say, well, this is going to open things up for Dalvin Cook. This is unbelievable. So the next year, Dalvin Cook, eight-man box percentage, it drops. 26.5. All right, it's going down. Dalvin Cook, less efficient last year than he was the year before when he had a 30% eight-man box percentage. And you say, all right, Justin Jefferson's getting better and better. This is going to open things up for Dalvin Cook. Now it's a pass-happy offense. We're throwing the ball all over with KOC. Eight-man box percentage this year, 19%. All-time low for Dalvin Cook. His efficiency, Career low, 4.4 yards per attempt, fumbled it four times. He had how many games below 100 yards? Um, 15. So I I think that Dalvin Cook is a little more expendable than people might lead on. I like who he's been as a player. Um, I, I just think that the time has come, um, and I think that those $8 million can be reallocated to your defense, help go get a cornerback, um, and I respect Alvin Cook for for like the way he's treated the reporters over the years. And he's definitely been an asset to that team. And, and he was a perfect fit in the Mike Zimmer system. This is the one guy who I think it's a detriment that he's in this past happy scheme just for his career longevity standpoint with this franchise.
2: It's just the way I see it. Just to that point, you know, we, we spent two, three, four minutes about how important in today's NFL now, things change every year, it is to have two wide receivers, two number one type of wide receivers. The flip of that is the four teams in the NFL that are paying the most for their running backs, the Packers and Aaron Jones, the Titans and Derrick Henry, the Saints and Alvin Kamara, and the Browns with Nick Chubb none of them made the playoffs. And I also heard a stat as well, the top three rushers in the league that all went over 1,500 yards this year, none of those teams made the playoffs either. So I'm not saying running the ball doesn't matter. Of course it does. But there is ebbs and flows in the league, and I think the trends are showing us that maybe paying a a running back top dollar just maybe isn't the most efficient way to build your team from the ground floor up.
1: And I think Um, the the productivity... I think the productivity of Dalvin this past season wasn't necessarily on him. How many times did we see Dalvin get the ball and he's already getting touched behind mm-hmm. the line of scrimmage? Mm-hmm. Some of those plays that he was giving the ball, they seem to just be kind of doomed. You know, how many times did we see Dalvin get the ball on unfavorable down and distances? You know, KLC maybe try to pass on first down, didn't work out. Okay, I'm just going to give it to Dalvin. How predictable is that? The defense is just swarming all over him. And I think some of those things just was KOC just kind of, you know, feeling his way around as a play caller as well. And Dalvin did break a few, but there were a lot of runs. And, I, you know, I was there for a lot of games this season where, you know, Kelsey's just really just trying to run it, trying to run it, trying to run it, and it's not working. And Dalvin is just kind of like, uh, he's kind of, he's, he's, I wouldn't say he's like a benefactor because it didn't benefit them, but he was, it was kind of by circumstance that he found himself in some of those situations where he's getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage and, you know, plays just aren't working out for him to get positive chunk plays in the run game. But I will say, okay. If they don't have Dalvin, like, what are you looking at? How are you finding productivity? Are you doing a running back by committee now? Are you maybe holding on to Madison, trying to keep him? Maybe you think a guy like Ty Chandler is going to emerge as a guy. Maybe you think Kane could have a bigger role in the offense. But, like, you have to find some production. Because we did see it with the Rams this past season. Cup went out or Cup was injured he was kind of like the only guy and I always go back to the Rams because they're like the, the system that Kevin O'Connell like came from and migrated over from. But you kind of look at how that offense excels. And when Cam Akers was healthy and running the ball, well, they were doing well. But when the run game just faltered, Cam Akers wasn't seeing the field as well, wasn't seeing the running lanes. And now you're, you know, in a situation where it's just like Cooper cup or bust that offense struggled. And where I don't want to see this happen in Minnesota is now you have a guy who, you know, you're trying to scheme up ways to get production in the run game, but it's not necessarily working because you don't have an elite rusher like a Dalvin cook anymore. Now, how are you generating a balanced offense? I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud here. It's
2: just interesting that Dalvin led the league in runs for no gain or negative yardage. But at the same time, Sam, you brought it up, but he's also facing so many less heavy boxes, right? Less eight and nine men boxes, too. So how did that work out? I just don't understand. His expected the year-
0: yards per rush, too, was eighth worst in the NFL, which is supposed to, you know, like, it takes into account those negative runs and the bad blocking and, and looks at it through what should he have done and he was, had negative yardage this
2: year. All right, what's the common denominator? All right, offensive line is involved, but I thought this was the year that we kind of established we have two bookend, almost elite tackles. Our left guard is pretty solid, and I thought Bradbury, of the last four or five years, I don't know this PFF grade off the top of my head, but had one of his better years. I know he had a rookie right guard who had his lumps, but... I don't know. Our our right guard last year wasn't like a pro bowler either. So it's just kind of confusing when you throw it all out there why Dalvin Cook's production dropped off as much as it did.
0: Yeah. I'd I'd say everybody was on the struggle bus to some extent with the run game. I think
2: scheme was it the opposite? KOC
0: struggled. Yeah. They didn't pick up on scheme. KOC struggled with run pass balance. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say you need like perfect balance. He just didn't really sometimes know when best to run the ball. Um, And I thought Dalvin had a tough time finding the holes. I just think that his vision was affected by the scheme change. So all of that into account, Um, it's a good debate and we'll have it probably many more times before the end of the year is done. Um, As we leave, Iron Leaf wants to know about slot corners. I'm just telling you, Troy Hill. I mean, the answer is Troy Hill spot track estimates him about $3.6 million. He's 31 years old. He's been good for the Rams. Troy Hill is your guy next slot corner. Book it right here. Mark this moment in time. Uh, That's your guy. I want to thank Reggie Wilson for joining us today. Reggie, Carol Levin, check him out on the evening news. And uh, Luke Inman on the football party every single day. We'll be back with Arif and Luke tomorrow on the party. Until then, for Luke, Reggie, I'm Sam saying so long.
1: Be blessed. Spread love today.